Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. This is episode 55 of the podcast, and today uh, joining me to break down the Sens and Penguins home and home, uh, he is the host of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Hunter Hodes. Hunter, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going? Ah, it's going good. You know, obviously it would have been better if the Penguins would have found a way to win that game, but still a pretty chaotic game between the two teams. And I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for anyone wondering, uh, we probably won't talk about too much of the the minor details of the game. We're recording right now on Thursday night as the game ended. This will probably be coming out, or sorry, on Wednesday night as the game ended. This will be coming out Thursday uh, morning or midday at some point. Uh, Hunter and I actually just recorded a game recap on his podcast. So if you want to go find that, you can find that wherever you're listening to this. Uh, It's the Locked on Penguins podcast. Uh, and that'll be out when when you're listening to this as well. But uh, I want to have Hunter on to uh, talk about, you know, a, a perfect time with the home and home here. Sens fans are getting to see Pittsburgh for the first and second times this year. And and um, obviously a team, two teams very familiar with each other. Um, you know, Sens fans don't want to be reminded of it. But the last time they were in the playoffs, the, it ended at the hands of the Penguins, unfortunately. Um, and just all the, the, the series they've had, honestly, throughout the uh, early 2000s, tens there um you know a very familiar team um this season's been a little different you know for for the penguins um it's been i mean it hasn't been different i guess in terms of it feels like anytime i check in on the penguins doesn't matter what year it is someone important is hurt and that has been the key for this year too now um a couple of their big guys have stayed healthy but then obviously you know chris letang who is battling way back from a stroke which is just incredible like just insane to think about, you know, that that's a key piece Their Their goalie, Tristan Jari was out tonight and you said mentioned he might be back Friday. Uh, just run me through, you know, what it's been like as a Pens fan, um, you know, because I, I know Ottawa fans are definitely appreciated of it, too. But, um, you know, how do they keep battling through injuries and staying on the, play, the playoff bubble and just in the playoffs all the time? Yeah, I mean, the top six has been awesome this season. Um, you know, they, they, it's funny. Earlier this season, they played their first fully healthy game in years that this is a team that is honestly never healthy. It's just been honestly just a huge curse for them. But right now they're really feeling it. Their two best puck moving defensemen are out. They're starting old tenders out. Two thirds of their fourth line is out. And yeah, I know their fourth line is nothing to write home about, but I will say Josh Archibald had four goals before he got hurt. And he was actually putting the puck in the back of the net. Um, but it's mainly been for this team this year. When the top six is producing, they win. When it's not, they lose. And when you ask the bottom six to do a lot of stuff, it's just not going to happen. The only player that's actually been producing the bottom six this year, <coughs> excuse me, um, has been Brock McGinn. But also, he was rocking an 18, 19% shooting percentage. This guy is a 10% career shooting percentage uh, shooter. We all know that was not going to last. And in the last few weeks, his scoring has dried up. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, but, you know, it's just... <sighs> This team, it's not as deep as it should be. You know, going back to last year's team, they have Evan Rodriguez on their third line, who was amazing. You know, even, you know, the year before that, they had, you know, Brandon Tanev, Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluegrass, their fourth line, which was awesome. That's also when Jeff Carter was actually playing well. He has turned into a shell of his former self this season. Brian Dumoulin, he has also been terrible. But, you know, the way they've been able to stay in this race is that, you know, they've been able to get enough points where, you know, they're, they're just kind of treading water, you know, waiting for the big guns to return. I feel like once they get some of these guys back and there's a chance that they are, that at least three of them are going to come back on Friday, you know, they'll be able to start, you know, cooking again, as you know, some of the kids say on social media. 
Um, it's just, you know, how much of their overall problems can be solved by just the big guns coming back because they have other problems that those players are not going to be able to address, like the bottom six, like them not starting on time, like some, them sometimes not getting the best goaltending in games in their special teams. But, you know, <clears throat> their top six, I think, has been the main reason, Alex, why they've been able um, to stay in this playoff hunt. I mean, Jason Zucker, I think, has been their most consistent winger this season. Did not think I would ever say that coming in this season. Jake Denzel's been a little off. Sidney Crosby had a great start of the season, was leading the league in five-on-five points, five-on-five goals at one time. He's dried up a little bit. Evgeny Malkin, he's been up and down, mostly up, I would say. But, you know, it's just mainly those top two lines have been tremendous uh, for the most part this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mentioned on your podcast as well once or twice, but it's funny because everything you just said there, uh, you know, to some extent, you can kind of apply to Ottawa as well. And what Sens fans have been saying all year where, um, you know, if the top six isn't going, they're not winning games. You know, the depth has not won anything for Ottawa this year either. And, um, you know, it's been a case of. I think the expectations for Ottawa were a little overhyped, but injuries haven't helped anything either. You know, Norris has been out. He, he came back, obviously, and I thought Norris looked pretty good on th- on Wednesday night. Um, you know, he had the, the penalty against Malkin, but, um, you know, in, in a weird way, I kind of agreed with the broadcast where it was a, obviously not a good penalty to take, but it was better at least that he was showing he's willing to throw contact with a, a shoulder we weren't entirely sure was, you know, if it was 100% or not. And I thought he looked fine. He took contact very well. He, he laid some out as well, but... Um, yeah, throughout the year, like, um, uh, I, their whole third line's been injured right now. Tyler Mott is on that third line. Um, um, Joseph is on the third line as well. He got healthy scratch actually on Wednesday night, which was a, a big point of contention in Ottawa because obviously he was playing his brother on the bang ones and they had 50 terrible. members of family. Just yeah. terrible. It's, I, I really want to see what a reason it would be because everyone is all we can't t- talk about it, but also, there doesn't seem to be any further punishment. Like if, you know, usually you would see if it's so bad that no one wants to say anything, you would get a suspension, not just one healthy scratch. So just absolutely very, very strange. And then obviously with Josh Norris going out, that means Shane Pinto has had to go up into the top six where, you know, he, he's looked just a little out of place as a 22 year old this year. So uh, it's definitely been the same kind of story for Ottawa where, um, yeah, the, the depth just hasn't been able to do much. You know, they're, they're relying on guys like Austin Watson as a, a spark plug kind of guy. And he just, he doesn't provide a ton really. And so if the, if the big guns aren't going, it's um, you know, it's not working. And for Ottawa, I think some of their health will help that bottom six for sure. Unlike Pittsburgh, maybe, but um, you know, what's always impressed me about Pittsburgh over the years is their ability to identify players like an Evan Rodriguez or even, you know, like a Jeff Carter at the deadline. I didn't think they needed to lock Jeff Carter up for the contract that he's on right now. Um, But identifying the players for the playoff run and understanding that the bottom six guys are replaceable and you can always find more guys at the trade deadline. And I'm very curious to see if they have anything up their sleeve to try and make a move, you know, with limited cap space, obviously at this year's deadline. Yeah, limited cap space, Alex, and limited assets um, as well. They don't really have a lot of prospects trade, but you know that's the price of winning three Stanley Cups in the Sid Gino era. Um, they have the picks. I think Ron Exdahl's always been like, you know, I don't want to trade my first just because he, he you know, he, that's the kind of GM he is. My opinion, I couldn't care less. You know, just you, you, this is the end of the era. You're, um, the team's going to be bad no matter what. Just do it. Um, they need a third line center very bad. It is obvious right now that Jeff Carter cannot play third line center. 
They've moved him to wing. They even have to put Teddy Bluger up there, a player who in over 30 games this year, Alex, has one goal. That is how bad that spot is right now. And <clears throat> when you look at the, the, at the cups they've won in this era, 2009, Jordan Stahl is your third line center. 2016, Nick Benino is your third line center. 2017, Nick Benino, your third line center. They need a consistent play driving and defensively responsible third line center if they want to go anywhere. They do not have that right now. Jeff Carter cannot score to save his life. Teddy Bluger is the same. And, you know, honestly, Carter really can't do anything of, of note right now other than win draws. I think that's the only good thing that he's doing right now. So it is a big issue. I know Ron Hextall is very patient. That's just how he is. I think if Jim Rutherford was still the GM, he probably would have fired off three to four trades by now. But, you know, the time to act is now. I understand that no one's making trades. A lot of teams are cap strapped. There's LTIR money. <clears throat> People, you know, teams just don't want to trade assets. That's just how it is right now. But, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the best GMs, I feel like, find a way to get stuff done, even with limited assets and limited cap space. If he wants to keep his job after the season, because I think if they bow out again early, he's cut. I think that the new ownership group is going to get rid of him because they'll, they'll want to hire their own guy. Um, he needs to show them that he is serious about winning because, you know, that ownership group pounding up their money to keep the core in place. If you're not going to do enough to win with them, then why did you bring them back? You have to go out and make this team the best they can be so that they can go on potentially one last hurrah together to try to get that fourth ring um, <clears throat> in the salary cap era. So I do think they will have something up their sleeve. It's just a matter of, you know, how much longer Hextall wants to see this going because they need help right now. As you said, with the Ottawa centers, bottom six penguins right now, Dan Heinen, who had 18 goals last year, he's a healthy scratch. He hasn't scored since October. Jeff Carter, as I said, it's not doing anything. Teddy Bluger's the same. Ryan Paling, even before he got hurt, has not done much. Josh Archibald has four goals. That's fine. Brock McGinn has scored a little bit, but he's dried up as, as of late. It, there's just not enough down there, and it's really sinking this team. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the um, the the salary cap is going to be interesting to see how they navigated this deadline because, you know, as you mentioned, they do have picks to, to use. They haven't uh, – it's not like they've been, you know, just spending them like crazy. Uh, you know, they don't have prospects, obviously, um, but they, they have their own first, second uh, for all the next three years. Uh, they have the Devils third this year. They don't have their own. They don't have their own fourth, but they also have three seventh round picks. So, um, you know, the assets, even without a lot, you know, with a lack of prospect pool, assets aren't an issue to go get someone. It's just going to be, can they make the cap work? And, and, you know, and we, it's funny, we talk about, you know, do, do they want to move their first round pick? Um, yeah, I think that would have been a fine argument to make heading into last year even like if you you know you're not sure about what what are the core three going to do in, in Latang, Malkin and Crosby but once you committed this offseason to bringing them all back for you know the the rest of this Crosby contract at the very least you got to just be all in now because eh? if you're not I don't know what you're doing you know like I, I think you made the wrong choice in terms of I know it's hard to walk away from a fan favorite but like if you are not convinced you can win a cup still you should have been trying to sell on a guy like Chris Latang, right so you know, I don't know what they do. I think an interesting target that I want to see if they can pull something off would be a guy like Adam Henrique from the, the Anaheim Ducks. Um, Anaheim would have to eat salary. He's got 5.825 on his uh, contract this year and next year, but he's been sneaky underrated. You know, he's not going to provide 
a ton of offense necessarily for a Pittsburgh Penguins team, but he's just been a really good play driver again. And, you know, I mean, he's not quite what he was at his peak, but uh, he would definitely be a big upgrade over what they are getting there now. Um, Again, I don't know what it would take to acquire him at age 32. He does have a modified no trade clause as well. So, you know, that, that would play a part in it, but um, you know, that it's a name like that, where I look, he's got 25 points in 44 games this year, including 15 goals. Um, So, you know, he definitely provides somewhat of an offensive spark while playing a good 200 foot game. He just feels like a prototypical penguins pickup where it's like, you don't only get him for one year, you get him for two as well. And suddenly he's just becoming his elite third line center that we saw him be like five years ago as well. That would actually be a very good target, Alex. You know, it's one I actually have not had as much. I, I've been looking at kind of Max Domi from the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a team that, you know, we all know what they're doing. Kyle Davidson has said they're tanking. I mean, he basically went out and said it to the media, I think, like last week, that they have a plan in place. Yeah, it's to try to get Connor Bedard. You know, Domi, you know, he can play center or wing. He's had a pretty decent year, I think, for the Hawks this year. I know they're going to try to drive his price up. Just, you know, we all know who his father is and just the kind of player that he is. You know, he's someone that I'm looking at. I also have kind of circled Nick Schmaltz from the Coyotes if they want to get rid of him. Um, you know, he's also a very solid center. My dream scenario is getting Bo Horvat from the Vancouver Canucks, but he, I think he just makes too much money. And he's also on a very big bender right now that I think they would probably ask the rule for him. Though I will say Jim Rutherford knows the Penguins through and through. Maybe you could squeak out a deal to get him. But um, those are a few that I'm looking at for that third line center spot. But also I will say Henrik is a very good option. Um, another buddy of mine was saying if you know, if the Sabres fall out of it, um, maybe Casey Middlestad or something like that. But I don't really know if, if Buffalo would trade him just because he's so young and he could be a part of their future. But they have to do something. Um, the status quo right now is just not good enough. You can't just, you know, Rob Rossi of the Athletic was saying like, yeah, their plan right now is to hope that the injured guys come back and then they, then they cook again and then everything's fine. You know, I don't just don't think that's a plan. You know, you have to have it, some contingencies in place in, in case – the guys come back, they win a little bit, but then they go on another losing streak and then you may be out of the playoff race. Um, they got to do something. And I think one of those targets um, would be huge for the Penguins. They, they got to go all in, especially after, as you said, you know, if you're not bringing the core back, you might as well just rebuild. You know, Jake Gensel, he's up in two years. He's going to command a massive raise. If you're not all in, just dump him then and you can probably get a huge haul. They brought Brian Rust back as well, Ricard Raquel. So, you know, the GM and ownership group, they owe it to these core players to go all in once again. They did it in the offseason. You need to show it now, and it doesn't really matter what the asking price is unless it's maybe like Owen Pickering or something like that. I probably would, I would have him as an untouchable. Yeah, and I think, you know, if the management needs any, I mean, they shouldn't need any more incentive to go all in, but I, I think one thing that should be, you know, encouraging too for the management is just how good of Getty Malkins looked this year and that the fact that, you know, from what I can tell, he's been able to stay relatively healthy past uh, versus past years as well. Um, you know, I, I know that's been basically one of the biggest X factors of this team is can we see the Malkin of old? And I, I think it's pretty clear we're not going to see peak of getting Malkin again, just because that was one of the best players who have ever played to, to put it, you know, frankly, um, and that's fine. But, um, you know, it's been nice seeing him get back to obviously not absolutely dominant play driving, but good, good possession numbers again this year. Um, and, you know, he's just, even on Wednesday night, I thought he was the, uh, him and Zucker were the, the two best uh, Penguins forwards on the ice. 
Um, you know, Malkin drew a couple penalties and, and looked dangerous in the offensive zone. And obviously he's got 44 points in 44 games this year. So, you know, back to that point per game player that we've seen and, and being healthy while doing it, which is the big thing, you know, 41 games, 33, 55, 68. Those are his game play totals over the past four years. Um, just, it, it sucks to see a guy as he's aging, get injured, but at 36 years old, you know, he's, he's got the health this year and he looks really good again, which I think, you know, should encourage the, the management group to go add again, some more depth around because this could be the best opportunity they have. No, I completely agree. And, you know, he was obviously the right call to bring back in the offseason. I saw so many people in this fan base saying like, Oh, let him go. He's too injury prone. Go sign Vince Trocek. And I'm like, what are you guys smoking? You know, Vinny Trocek, good player, but if he was not from Pittsburgh, most of you probably would not even know who he was. So it just like was just like <laughs> maddening to me. Some people say Andrew Cobb. I'm like, Andrew Cobb's a good player, but he's not Evgeny Malkin. And he's been healthy this year. He's barely missed any games. This is probably the most healthy that we've seen Malkin um you know, in the last few years. And he's played like he's been close to a point per game player this season, had a really nice goal against the Senators on Wednesday night. You know. They kind of made him mad, but you know, that's angry. Gino is usually well not to be reckoned with, but no, he's, he's been good for most um, of the season. Um, you know, just what a player, you know? And as you said, Alex, he's not prime of getting Malkin. He's not, you know, 2009 level when he was probably arguably the best player in the world, especially in those playoffs or even 2016, you know, 2017 level when he could have won one of those con smites, but he is still a very good player that can put this team on his back, you know, at times, and, you know, sure, he's not the defensive player that some want him to be, but he's good at what he does. He's just carrying the puck into the zone. He's very hard to get the puck off of. He has a beautiful shot, especially that one-timer from the point, which or from the right side of the ice, which they're not using enough from that half wall. Please feed Malkin those bombs on the power play. And they've done it at times, and it's worked. And it's like, you should probably be doing that a little bit more and do it like the Capitals do with Alex Ovechkin. I obviously know Ovechkin has a better one-timer because I think he's the greatest goal scorer of all time, but Malkins is still just a little bit behind him and he can bomb it pretty well as well. So I really want to them uh, to see, I, I really want to see that as well. But yeah, he's been spectacular this, this season. Um, I'm really glad that he's having a lot of people eat crow to say the least. Yeah, exactly. It's just always nice. I mean, like he's been an underrated player his whole career, which is absolutely weird to say for just how damn good he was, but you know, like they, they didn't have him on the, the top 100 list when they did it six seasons or four seasons ago. Like that just, how stupid is that? Like, yeah. So he's always been an underrated enough player, but yeah, it's just nice seeing him bounce back. And, you know, I did, tonight was one of the first times I got to set eyes on the pens this year. I've watched a handful of other games, but just here and there. And, and you know, I was really focusing in on uh, Evgeny Malkin. I think, you know, come come Friday is why I, I expect to uh, see him, you know, be a difference maker again. So um, it, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that for sure. Um, I, I want to get your opinion as a Penguins fan. So obviously, um, you know, as Sens fans that were, you know, the, the Sens are still seven, eight points out of a playoff spot. They're chasing the Pens who hold that second wildcard spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a Pens fan right now, Obviously, so Ottawa scoreboard, Ottawa fans are scoreboard watching, but it's not quite the Penguin teams yet. They're, they're still a step behind where they're kind of watching the Red Wings and the Sabres because they're a point or two behind them. And even the Panthers were right in there for a little bit. You know, I think Ottawa's two or three points behind the Panthers right now as well. But um, as a Penguins fan, you know, 
do you find yourself scoreboard watching at all at this point in the year, or do you wait later into the year before, you know, you're kind of seeing what Washington and the Islanders and those teams do? Yeah, I, I scoreboard watch a little bit for sure. Uh, I look to see what the Islanders are up to. The Capitals, you know, the Penguins have a few games in hand still on the Capitals. Um, they, they control their own destiny at this point. They have uh, three games in hand on the Capitals. If they win all three of those games, um, they are three points ahead of the Caps. So they still have a couple games in hand on the Islanders. They're one point ahead of them right now if they win those games. Um, I believe they can be five points ahead of the Islanders if my, if my math checks out. So I'm watching those two teams. I'm not really watching what Carolina is doing. They're going to win the division. I'm not really watching New Jersey unless they start slipping out as well. The Rangers, I kind of look at a little bit because they could falter a little bit at times, but it's mainly just those two teams that I've been scoreboard watching. I'm not really watching Buffalo and Detroit or any of those other teams because I feel like, in my opinion, Alex, right now, I think you're seeing a nine-team race for eight spots. I think that's just how I see it. Is it is it more competitive compared to last year? Yes, right now, the playoffs were locked up at this point last year. You, but you know the three Atlantic teams are going to get in. The rest of that division, I do not think is any good. It's the Metro where you have the six teams that are really battling for the playoff spot. People are going to say Philadelphia is in it. They're not. Stop. No, I don't, I don't. Stop. They're going to lose some more games. They're going to go tank. Columbus is really bad. But it's it's those six teams battling for those remaining five spots. One of them, I feel like it's going to miss. Unless the Panthers crawl out of the woodwork or something like that. But they've been a mess this season. And, you know. It's almost like I could have saw that coming when you hire Paul freaking Maurice, who's like the most mediocre coach of all time. But, you know, that those are the, the main two that I scoreboard watching. The Capitals, they've been playing much better hockey as of late. Islanders have been struggling, but they just can't score. You know, they have, I think, the top three best goaltender in the world in Ilya Soroka, top three to five at least. So those are the two main ones that I look at. Otherwise, I'm not really looking too, too much, but I'll be scoreboard watching a little bit more later on in the season for sure. Yeah, and I think it makes sense, too, because, you know, the Pens, they they control their old destiny by winning. They keep gaining points and staying in the playoffs, right? Whereas a team like Ottawa that's chasing four or five teams, they also need the other teams to drop off. And, yeah, Florida, I think – I still think Florida can make their way into the mix of the playoff hunt. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. It's just, Their goaltending has been so bad this year, and, and so are their special teams, to be honest. Like, they're, they're, for how good the roster is, their special teams has been bad. And, yeah, I would say calling Maurice and a mediocre coach is being generous. I think he's an actively bad coach over the past decade or so. He, he hasn't done a ton to help his team. Uh, the one thing I want to get you out of here on is just as someone who, you know, obviously doesn't watch the Senators as much, you know, people listening to this podcast are usually the diehard of Senators fans. You know, was there anyone who took you by surprise when you're watching – uh, obviously, we haven't seen the Friday night game yet, but the Wednesday night game either. Even was there anyone on the roster that you know you, you kind of came in not sure what to expect, and and they took you by surprise, or is there anyone you're you're trying to keep your eye on from this Senators roster as an outsider? That's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I liked what I saw from Sanderson. You know, I didn't really know too much about him coming into this game, and you know, I knew he was obviously a rookie, but you know, he's he's been he's been playing pretty well for the most part this year. I thought he was moving the puck pretty well. I know Shabbat is awesome. You know, I mean, I don't watch him that much, but I know he's a true number one defender. He showed that tonight. He made some beautiful moves in the offensive zone, had some really nice keeps at the blue line, especially on the power play. That I was like, wow, like what a keep by him. It almost looked like a Kale McCarr type play um, at times. Um, honestly, just your entire top six in general is lethal. I knew that coming in. I didn't see just how good it really was. Um, I remember when the Senators signed a lot of those contracts over the offseason, Alex, and I kind of was just like questioning it because I'm like, how just how good are some of these players? You know, like like a Stutzla, you know, like a Batherson and some of those guys, just because they were long-term deals, big cap hits. I'm like, 
are they going to live up to them? And, you know, I think so far Stutzla's doing a really nice job. He's going to be um, a great player in this league. Um, if you want a big prediction from Alex about him, you can go check out the Walk on Penguins podcast. I'm not going to say what he says uh, right here. But, um, again, I'll say what I said on my pod. Very weird seeing Claude Giroux in that color. It's just playing on the Flyers for 14 years and seeing him go against the Penguins four to five times a year and not three. Um, definitely a little bit of an adjustment. But you know, I'm pretty sure almost all the – I think all the Ottawa goals in this game – were from the top six. And, and I said that on my preview on my, on my podcast, you got to shut those guys down. They are lethal. They are very good. But in terms of, you know, who I really surprised me, Sanderson, I thought was great. Shabbat continues to impress, you know, each time I watch him and, you know, I, I really like the growth that Stutzla has shown as well. I didn't really think much of him um, just a few years ago, but you know, I think he's going to be a very good player in this league. I think the Senators do have a bright future. I said, coming into this year, they weren't I, people expected them to contend for a playoff spot. I said, I don't think they're there yet. I think they're going to be fun to watch. And I think they have been fun to watch at times this season. I just wasn't sold on the goaltending and I wasn't sold on the defense outside of uh, Shabbat and Sanderson and a couple others. But if they can shore that up in the off season, maybe shore up that depth next year. I think they can definitely contend for a spot next season if they don't get in this year. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'd say it's been a common topic on my podcast for sure too, is just, you know, how high or too how. T- how high is too high for expectations for this team? And I always thought, you know, playoffs were, you know, it, playoffs were a realistic option if literally everything went right. And there's been a lot of stuff that's gone right. Sanderson stepping in, like Sanderson stepping in and being a legitimate, like top pair guy is something that I think Sens fans are already taking for granted, but is not an easy thing for a 20 year old to do. Um, and yeah, he's looked just amazing. I'm on a Sanderson for Calder push right now. I think it should be between him and Owen power. And then uh, Beniers is in there as well, but um, I, I don't think he's going to get enough love just because his point totals aren't there, but his underlying game's so nice. And then um, yeah, like I, I just thought, you know, if they could stay healthy, if the third line could stay healthy, they'd be okay. They lost all three guys on the third line, two of the three guys on the third line, which has caused like Derek Broussard to come in and play normal minutes for this team, which like he's been okay, but like Derek Broussard was the 13th forward heading into this year. And he's been like, he was playing two C for, for them for parts of the season. So um, it, it just goes to show like injuries have definitely hurt this team, but um, yeah, I think the, the analysis there is right. Like they, they need to shore up the defense the goaltending is a bit of a question mark, you know, Cam Talbot had another stinkered last night. Uh, um, it just, you know, they, they got to figure it out. Um, I, I have faith that Forsberg can, can bounce back and, and, you know, even just the tandem in general, I think they just need to kind of be nine, 10, nine, 11 around there. They don't need to be stealing games necessarily. They just need to be playing. Okay. But defense and depth are definitely the two biggest things for this team and, and um, are going to be crucial if they want any chance of even showing that they're, you know, playoff, close is the way I'm going to play. I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. I think that's way out of reach, but you know, I, I hope they're playing meaningful games in, in March and, and April, but uh, um, Hunter, that's been two great podcasts. Uh, again, if anyone wants to find their first part of this, go check out the locked on penguins podcast. Uh, Hunter plug some stuff. Where can people find you and everything you do? Yeah. So you can listen to the locked on penguins podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, uh, music now where it's ad free you can follow me on twitter at hunter hodes the show's twitter is at lmr score penguins i also do write full-time for the spun.com which is part of source illustrated where we just do breaking news articles throughout the day that has my full-time gig so if you want to check it out you can go there but long time england's podcast monday through friday during the season a lot of fun stuff um hopefully the team will be able to turn around here um at some point but thank you for having me on i really appreciate it
Yeah, it was an absolute blast. And as I said, you know, we'll have to get together again later in the season when they play. And um, yeah, I, everyone go check out Hunter's work. It's some great stuff. And thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. As mentioned, thank you so much to Hunter for joining me. If you want to go catch the first part of our conversation, which recapped uh, everything that went on in the Wednesday night game between the Ottawa Senators and Pittsburgh Penguins, you can catch that on his feed, again, Locked on Penguins, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, It was a lot of fun as well, uh, so definitely go check that out. And then you can also check me out on Twitter, at NHL Sends and stuff, and the the account at Last Word on Sends, as well as all my work at LastWordOnHockey.com. So uh, thank you everyone so, so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. I'll be back at you next week.